0: Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft. Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ.
1: Good morning and welcome to Awaken, Episode 24, why do I point that out, Joe? Because, well, I guess we could just say good morning first, huh? But I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> good, good morning, morning Joe. Brother. <laughs> uh, we're, we're excited because episode 24 would mark that we're actually, we've been doing this for a year. So Awake has been going for a year, which some would say, if you know your math, well, whole craft-wise in 26, uh, because we skipped a couple. <laughs> how's, how's that for the deep insight, Joe? Um mm-hmm. no between between either uh being sick or um whatever other circumstances in the life of radio uh we're we're on episode twenty four uh but we give thanks to Almighty God for providing us uh the opportunity and um it's it's his doing hanjo huh, it's it's the lord's doing in all this
2: yeah amen and and it's been uh, a year in which i've just continued to gain. Uh, the ongoing deeper appreciation for sacred scripture, Mark and journeying with you, because this is what we've been about uh, by and large, you know, for many of us and our listeners, uh, we have heard certain stories again and again, huh? And there's the tendency to read a text and say, Oh, I've, I've heard that before. When in in reality, God invites us again and again to reread certain texts because God is the always more, and the Holy Spirit desires to meet us where we're at. And as he does, he shows us that maybe in a text that you've read just not one time before, but many times before, wishes to speak to you anew, right? So as over this past year, we've been exploring these texts, it is always an opportunity to go deeper. And so when one looks back, Mark, I I am always made to think about the importance of uh, what it has shown me, um, just not for the sake of, of looking back, but to appreciate the present and uh, and in that place where God desires us to go, uh, which is deeper into his heart. So, so to that, amen.
1: So already, uh, that was a thesis statement that could launch us into our show. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But bev- before we go in too much further, let's begin with prayer, huh? Yes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit amen. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for the beautiful weather you've gifted us with in the Dakotas and Minnesota in these last few days. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless and protect all of our listeners, especially those who might be near flooding or flood zones. Uh, We ask for your protection and blessing over all of our families. But continue to animate within us the joy and the gifts of your Holy Spirit and a deeper wisdom and understanding of your holy word, script, sacred scripture. And as as Brother Joe put it, Lord, we ask that you would continue to invite us deeper into your heart, which is the ocean of mercy. Blessed Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. And all these things surround each of us and our families. And to you, St. Joseph, please surround each of us with the mantle of your grace and protection. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, well, Joe. As you're talking, just that that ever more, there's always more with God, um, and, and how scriptures reminds us of that, and even when we take the same verse or verses or passage, there's always something anew in it because God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know, and 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 one of those things, um, what I'm reminded as you were saying that Joe is, and this is also why we love to dive into the saints. The saints mm-hmm. reveal to us how these scriptures are seen anew. You know, ever ancient, mm. ever new. And that's, um, uh, so that was what I was struck by as you were talking, and I'm excited about this morning's saint as well. Um, in light of that, in light of our scripture, and so our scripture this morning, Joe, is taken from Matthew chapter 9. You know, when we continue to explore the questions Jesus poses, uh, or in some cases, um, there, he's given a question from uh, whether it's a priest or a uh, I was, about to say, a lay person, but one of the, the figures in Scripture, and he responds by giving an answer with a question. You know, we, we've seen this so many times. Um, but this morning, uh, he initiates the question. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that up with reading that, Joe. And we'll, we'll, we'll give it a look. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, from chapter 9, starting with verse 1 from the Gospel of Matthew. He entered a boat, made the crossing, and came into his own town. And there many people brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Courage, child, your sins are forgiven. At that, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why do you harbor evil thoughts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your stretcher and go home. He rose and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were struck with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. Well, there it is. Uh, you know, it starts with a very everyday action of Jesus, the Nazarene, he entered a boat, made the crossing, and came into his own town. Uh, except he, he's already full on active in ministry, Joe. You know, he's got his crew with him and his apostles. Uh, there's already been many miracles that have already occurred. Joe, this is just coming off of the heels of Jesus healing the two demon- demoniacs. Um, so he- healing is at the forefront, mm-hmm. but it's interesting how they highlight. Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, "Um, why is it, Joe, that, um, well, in this case, the author, you know, often highlights first the matter of faith before Jesus begins his work. What's happening there? Yeah,
2: it's really interesting, Mark, because whether it be the paralytic, uh, whether it be Bartimaeus, whether it be the centurion, He never says, I have made him well, or get well, or be well, or he is healed. It is always, always, uh, your faith has saved you, or your faith is why I am coming to you. So uh, our Lord is responding to faith. And why? Well, what does faith mean? Faith is relationship, right, Mark? It, it, It is just not this belief in you know what is unseen or, or what is unknown, um, but it is a matter of trust, right? Faith means trust, fide, to trust. And so, when we look at faith as more than just you know some kind of ascent into what we do not know, but an actual response to to a God who is living, we can begin to appreciate the dynamic of of you know two persons moving towards each other. And in this case, of course, and throughout all the Gospels, uh, our Lord's healing and, and focusing on the importance of faith. Uh, he, he marvels at faith. And what I especially appreciated about this, Mark, about this narrative, as you noted, you know, Jesus crosses the sea and, and arrives in his own town of Capernaum. Uh, a paralytic is brought to him brought brought to him by others, and this is something we talked about in our uh, treatment of intercessory prayer right Here we have these stretch bears going to Jesus right bringing uh, these the stretch bears are bringing someone else's problems in this case of course someone who is paralyzed to Jesus. I love that you know jesus he has cured many people before, but he is using Mark this opportunity to point to an even deeper kind of paralysis that he wants to cure, which is what but sin. huh? So Jesus sees in the paralyzed man more than a physical malady. There is an interior, spiritual paralysis, if you will, that Jesus desires to heal. And so he says to him, your sins are forgiven. And this sparks outrage <laughs> right? yeah. from the scribes. Only God can forgive sins. What are you doing? You know, and and He does this through the very specific temple way, the temple system with animal sacrifices offered by Levitical priests. You know, this you you could hear the 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 scribes speaking this way. It is as if He were saying, "That is Jesus. What you used to get at the temple with the Levitical priesthood through animal sacrifice, you can now get right here from Me." So Jesus puts himself on par with God and, and, and bestows on this man the forgiveness of sins normally associated with the temple system. And of course, knowing their thoughts, Jesus addresses their accusation by healing a man. And, and the miracle then, too, Mark, is meant to demonstrate that Jesus does not, uh, that, that Jesus does have authority to forgive sins. One might say, your sins are forgiven but why the miracle well since forgiving sins is a spiritual work there is no way of of we could say empirically confirming this right so therefore he backs up his spiritual claim by saying rise and walk again and this is what he does and and you know the human beings as it's as it's written, do what all humans beings do, and they see the, uh, the the miracles of God. They glorify God. There's a few things in here, Mark, that I, I really wanted to, to, to get underneath. The first of which, I mean, let us let us sink ourselves into this text for a bit. I mean, how disappointed are you if you're the paralytic, or even for that matter, the stretch bears, and. He doesn't heal them the heal him, but he says, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredibly yep. this is incredibly untimely, incredibly disappointing. You know, we, we put so much expectation when we go to Jesus with other people's concerns, and we are left disappointed. And yet, our Lord's response is just uber important. He says to him, take courage. He commands him to take courage while calling him, what mark, child. So the awakening faith of the paralytic is is challenged, we could say, to read between the lines. As it were, of Jesus' words, now you can take courage on a firm basis of hope because I have just called you child. It is because I love you with the Father's love and my father's love in fact i the word <laughs> do not use words lightly huh and always call thing by its true name you are to distill you are to distill courage from from the very timber of my voice which is saying to you now take courage take heart Take courage can mark actually translate as take heart.
1: Right, right, and I, that was actually one of the pieces standing out to me because I think I think when you break down some of these words, in, you know, and we've talked about this a little bit before, the just the simple etymology behind some of these words. What's you know we what's behind a word? Well, there's so much, especially as you just noted, when the word my flesh uh, speaks, you know, it it never goes wasted. It never goes undone. Keep going, Joe.
2: Mm. Yeah, well and and to that point, Mark, um I, I'm I have a professor that I have from Oxford echoing in my ears right now. Um he he would say often this is Father Wainsborough, who happened to be the editor of the New Jerusalem Bible, so <laughs> if he had something to say, okay. I was paying close attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he said you you know, you know, Joe, you talk about etymology and something to be aware of is that typically when you go to to dictionaries um, or or maybe to, to an etymology index online you 're going to get what a word means only only so far back to a point um, where that differentiates from sacred scripture is that this is the inspired word right the inspired word of God that that etymology indexes should pick up on but often don't oh so and Joe, so
1: so that's rich can you, can you actually say that again because that's it's true I, you know and I, I only took a couple of years of Latin you know, in you learn of the classical languages um, so often in modern dictionaries, and I think it's worth our listeners noting. For those who really take the interest, I would love for you to say that again because um, a lot of that, the classical languages, well, they're, they're starting that, they're picking that up in 6th, 7th, 8th century uh, or even Renaissance time when really it's like, well, wait, you're, you're missing maybe what that original Aramaic or Hebrew meaning was, you know, it, it's... it's Repeat that, please. That was rich. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So when you when you go into just not a dictionary, but online to an etymology index per se, the meaning of that word, you'll you'll get the Latin, and or maybe it'll speak to, uh, you know, the Old English, or in some cases the the French, whatever it might be. It'll take you back to a point, often probably not farther back in the fifteenth century. And so if you're looking up a word from sacred scripture, you're not going to get what that word in sacred scripture means in its actual meaning. Um, and if you do, it is quite rare. Yeah. So as Father Waynesboro would say, when you go to do a word study, let yourself let yourself understand first and foremost, you're going to get at that word by studying the text itself. Right. So, for example, here, uh, the, the the phrase, take take courage, take heart, what is he saying there? Um, well, courage can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're to pull up an etymology index, um, you know, you're going to talk about strength, you're going to get something that relates to hero, and, and all those things w- w- will speak to it. But what lies at the heart of courage? Well, Scripture just said, the heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> right. The heart. So Jesus says, in effect, to the the paralytic, before addressing myself to your limbs, I must speak uh, speak to the most essential part of you, the heart, right? Just as the evil things come from the center of a person's spirit, so do uh, the good things. And this is what I must uh, awaken, right? This This is what I must attend to. Uh, you know this this and this topic of child mark you know to be called child by Jesus in this context in so many ways defines the very content of being saved of being transformed to be regarded by Jesus as a child of God really mark is tantamount to possessing eternal eternal life in the already right? the already being the here and now we were yeah, talking about yeah. looking back into the present. And so, as disappointed in that moment before he was healed physically as the paralytic would have been or, or also the stretch bears, the importance, Mark, of, of those, uh, some of those first words you read, take courage, child, take heart, child. What I'm about to do um, is the most extraordinary thing I could possibly do, right? What good would it would it be for you to receive a relative strength from outside of the heart and so again, contextually speaking, mark and we didn't speak to these specific things, but the much larger topic of intercessory prayer it's something to think about when we when we uh, take another's malady to our Lord, when we actually bring him or her to to Jesus. Uh, what is always on the forefront of any kind of prayer is the sovereignty of God with the understanding that if we're in the business of talking about what is quintessential, salvation, eternity, transformation, conversion, this always has to be uh, a priority, always has to be a priority.
1: Well, it certainly it does give a huge shout out to the power of intercessory prayer, the necessity of intercessory prayer. And even the last line, uh, when, he crowds, when the crowds saw this, they were struck with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to human beings. I just want to make that quick connection uh, before we take a break, Joe, that the, the authority given to human beings in and through the power of God, in and through the power of Jesus Christ. And so we exert and exercise that authority through the power of intercessory prayer, you know, and so we, we see that. Uh, When we come back from the break, Joe, I want to dive a little bit more into specifically healing. You know, because Mm -hmm. healing is kind of, it's almost growing in mainstream popularity in current culture. Um, Mm -hmm. It's always been there, but you're kind of picking up on, especially um, there's some new ministries popping up that are really emphasizing uh, the gift of healing. So stay with us. You're listening to Dr. Joe Holcroft and Mark Holcroft on Awaken. We'll be back in a couple minutes.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network.
1: Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform.
3: Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio
1: in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing.
0: Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Holcraft.
1: Welcome back. Joe, I want to give a quick synopsis here. If you're just joining us on Awaken, you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Dr. Joe Holcraft and Mark Holcraft on Awaken, but one of the things... Uh, we were just talking about, we're picking up on the gospel of Matthew chapter nine, verses one to eight, when Jesus heals the paralytic. And, um, we just spent a few minutes talking about really the importance when Jesus says to the paralytic courage child, um, and really this is right before he's, uh, technically about to heal him. He says, your sins are forgiven. So there's, there's one layer of forgiving right there or of healing right there, um, but it was interesting, Joe. I love the setup that you did in regards to the importance of courage and just the, the biblical understanding of take heart and that there's multiple ways to understand that, of course, depending on context. But even in that, it is, it's the Lord saying that. And, it, you know, of course, we could put ourselves in the position of the paralytic. You know, there's a, a physical paralysis here. You know, we're, we're led to understand here. But how often are we paralyzed, mentally paralyzed? Uh, spiritually, uh, paralyzed socially, where we might just feel completely awkward, or all kinds of almost you know, to be not too modern but psychological paralysis type thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, we can get stuck there and in, in, isn't that one of the works of the evil one to want to just freeze us into inactivity, into a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. There's all these mm-hmm. kinds of things that I want to swing back around to, Joe. But Immediately after, he says, Courage, child, your sins are forgiven. The scribes, as you noted, note or say, this man is blaspheming, referring to Jesus, of course. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why do you harbor harbor evil thoughts? uh, (laughs) Joe, sometimes when we're doing scriptures for morning prayer with our kids, you know, it's funny. Um, My boys love to say, oh, there it is again. Jesus is roasting them, you know. (laughs) He's roasting, you know, and uh, for our <laughs> listeners, I know, I know way back in the day, Joe, when you and I were, were young and little, like, if you can get the best of someone else, like, oh, burn or face, yeah. you know, <laughs> you say these things, you know, uh, you put your hand in their face, which, of course, usually led to a fight, <laughs> you know, but it's so funny because, you know, oh, our boys man. do a similar thing like, oh, you got roasted and that's it, oh, you know, just like, uh, and so the first time I heard them make a reference to Jesus is roasting the Pharisees, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I, was like, I guess I've never thought it that way. And then, of course, it's usually, well, um, you try to explain, Jesus isn't really roasting them to like make them. Learn. Like, oh, okay, no, he roasted them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not necessarily with the intent that the boys are processing, I think. But um, there's a part of me that appreciates, that recognizes Jesus is roasting them. <laughs> He's setting them straight, you know, we can put it that way. Um, but why do you harbor evil thoughts is, is where Jesus picks up again. And so this is, again, where he's asking his questions now, Joe. Uh, why do yes. you harbor evil thoughts? And then he goes on to say, which is easier to say, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and walk. And, then, and he poses it again in a question. Boom, the ball's back in their court.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we ask, Mark, uh, what is your meaning and God responds with his own question, uh, what is your meaning? Uh, what is the meaning of life? What is what is your meaning of life? Uh, because if, if we've traced anything, it is that uh, God is the finder and not the found. As I think Peter Kreft once said, uh, the questioner, not the answer man. And this is what we've been after. Now." Mark, what's really important about this first question and why I I focused on courage and heart is because, here again, we have a question that is specific to the heart. Why are you conceiving evil things in your heart? Why are you conceiving evil things in your heart? So, (laughs) our Lord is preoccupied with the heart. He is Absolutely. absolutely, unequivocally preoccupied with the matter of the heart because, again... What is relative's physical strength if we are in that place of inactivity, Mark, as you put it, that, that, that place of complacency, that place, that very wrong, dangerous place of laziness that Lent desires to draw out, right? So why are you conceiving, conceiving evil things in your heart? Uh, this, this question posed to, to the scribes is, is a question that is posed to all of us. Are we hearing take heart or are we hearing the question, why are you, are you conceiving evil things in your heart? And, and it kind of goes back to uh, what operates your motive? You know, what, what's your op- um, motive's operandi? Why do you do what you do? Why do you get up in the morning? What are you conceiving? Or are you allowing your heart to be healed and transformed by my saving love? Now, what's interesting about this, yes, on, on, on one hand, Mark, it, it would appear that our Lord is roasting yeah. the scribes, <laughs> but if you were to kind of take that question and stretch it out within the larger context of sacred scripture, um, in areas where he does, in, in fact, pass um, you know, condemnation, um, he's not doing that here, actually.
1: No, no, this is the beginnings of a fraternal correction. You know, yeah. and just it's always always moved in love. God is love.
2: Yeah, uh, he's he's saying, really, given what he just did for the paralytic, why are you irritated because I am good? <laughs> right? Yeah uh, wh- why why are you behaving the way you are behaving? And so he seeks to heal Mark in the end from the inside out. He seeks to heal. From the inside out, and as as he does, um, he he then poses the next question because you know the two questions certainly are interrelated. How does this healing take place? Let's start talking about healing a little bit, Mark. I know there's other things to talk about um, with respect to healing, but let's let's get the discussion started sure. because G- Jesus says, you "No, know, we read which of these is easier to say, but th- the Greek text is." What is easier labor to say, <laughs> to to hear, you know? Which which is easier to say, um, versus what is easier labor to say? These are two very dif- different things. In fact, the peculiar, very peculiar form of our Lord's question shows how the Word is doing what Mark, but working, right, working. Working, laboring at salvation. What is easier labor to say? In all the words he speaks, he's always laboring. You know, Jesus is, is teacher only as Savior. He, he teaches only in view of his commitment to, of course, redemption. So for Jesus to speak is always then marked to Labor. Because in him, God is always creating anew. You know, In our opening, I had made the point that th- there is something inside of the biblical text that is the always more. What is the always more? Well, he's, he's laboring, if you will, at making us anew. And this labor, this working is what but our salvation, our salvation. So, so the healing that takes place. In this narrative, has a trajectory for us, Mark. I think we need to kind of take a step back and, and really think about which is simply our Lord is always, again, preoccupied, laboring in and for our salvation, and and how, but by virtue of the Holy Spirit and and the manner in which we encounter the Word of God, because when the Word of God speaks, it's a labor, a labor that is. Creating
1: anew, and I think worth worth noting, Joe. And this is—it's one of the things. It's—it's it's been such a point of reflection for me is that when God speaks, it never sees itself undone, never because God hmm. is, you know. And, and we've discussed bits and pieces of this. And again, sure. a word that comes to mind as you're talking about because how often, uh, at least for you and I, I'm sure some of our listeners, you've heard that expression, working out our salvation but I think we hear it in a different kind of context. And what we're drawing out right now is really maybe more the origin of its context. You know, th- that, that phrase of working out our salvation, God is always, because God is, it's, it's efficaciously in that the nature of work is God. Not that God mm-hmm. is work, but that love is always at work. God is love and it's mm-hmm. always at work. And it's, so it's that working out our salvation, even, even on that, that seventh day, right? Even in that day of rest. Uh, yeah. It's the I, very absolutely. nature of God that is then to work out our salvation, which, and I, I will use this as maybe <laughs> a one hinge point, a part of that then is God is always going to be healing. Mm-hmm. As a part of that mm-hmm. working out our salvation, there's always going to be, Uh, Well, because we are sinners, a need for healing, um, which is what you were going at earlier on. You know, courage, child, your sins are forgiven. He goes after it right away. It wasn't the physical healing he went after right away. Mm -hmm. You know, and to some extent, you know, there's been always all kinds of conversation and deliberation with theologians uh, over time as to, you know, what was Jesus actually doing? You know, were his sins Uh, Was his crippledness due to his sinfulness? And of course, he he gives some clarity a little later as to that's not always the case. But there's something very fascinating at work here. There's a relationship there, Joe. There is a relationship times with our, you know, where are we crippled and that that relationship to our sinfulness, you know, maybe specific or particular sins that we struggle and wrestle with. Um, And then to to go on to say, which is easier your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. Um, Joe, there's a little bit, my mind is blowing a little bit. <laughs> you know, as they say, you know, have you ever see the expression, your mind is blown, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, this that's is, a bomb blowing up. <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah, this, this, this is rich stuff, Mark. And, you know, it's rich stuff for us. What about the scribes? Oh, by the way, who, th- there it is, Mark, again. Yeah, yeah. For, for our listeners, Mark likes to give me a hard time because... And anytime I say, "Oh, by the way," that's a cue that something's coming. Oh, it's
1: trademarked, Joe. It's trademarked.
2: Brother, <laughs> uh, other brothers have said the same thing, but it is what it is. Right? The scribes, their profession was to analyze words. Their profession was was to analyze the meaning and scope of words. Right. Words. Right. And so, what he's doing for them is saying that in me, the word is essentially how you work out your salvation. Philippians 2.12 right there, when you talked about that, Mark, the, the call we have to work out our salvation and doing so in fear and Troubling. Um, you know, and and, and th- these phrases, these phrases, your sins are forgiven you. Go up and walk, get up and walk. Th- these these are the two great phrases of um, the, the ways in which God heals, the ways in which God works, the ways in which God labors. Um that indeed we, we might be transformed in Christ and, and, and walk, uh, get up and, and walk with Christ. Um, because, hey, Mark, if in fact we have been act- inactive, complacent in these sorts of things, then praise God if we are getting up and, and, and walking. So, amen to that.
1: Well, and so, Joe, I, there's, um, I think it's worth acknowledging you know, certainly there's a supernatural healing at work here. Um, and I think we can really get excited, frankly, about the miraculous. Who, who wouldn't? You know, why, why wouldn't you get excited, especially if you're there and you see it happen right in front of you, you know? And so when the crowd saw this, they were struck with awe and glorified God. And thanks be to God that that was their, that's their reaction, is they were in awe and they knew right away to glorify God, who had given such authority to human beings, you know, but there's, so the, there really is a beautiful relationship. And Padre Pio spoke about this beautifully. And Padre Pio healed several people in all kind, of all kinds of maladies. And yet he uh, founded and opened a hospital right there near the rotunda where he lived for the last 50 years of his life. Um, so he saw the relationship. Yes, there's a need for uh, the supernatural healing. And yet there's a great work not to be taken for granted in natural healing you know, in the the great, the gift of medicine, you know, the gift of uh, just working people through the natural maladies, the different, whether it's injuries or, uh, you know, uh, emotional harms, just to work through, like, there's processes that are just as godly. And I think that's, um, that maybe doesn't get acknowledged enough, right? Uh, And yet, um, there are, there are, there are, You get the flip side where, in some cases, we just forget about the supernatural. We forget to even ask God, Lord, please, please heal me. Now, the other night, uh, one of my sons, he hurt his ankle. A classic, I mean, like everyday injury. I can't tell you how many times I've rolled or sprained an ankle. Yeah. uh, I know, playing basketball or whatever. Uh, He did. And uh, by the grace of God, I just thought, huh. I had just read um, from the, the, the morning's readings of the story of Naaman you know, dipping into the Jordan River seven times, Mm. Mm. you know? And so I just said, uh, hey, Luke, let's pray. Let's pray over your ankle. Let's just ask the Lord to heal it, you know? And uh, trusting that even if it's not a physical healing that we would love to see, um, prayer never goes wasted. Conversation with God is never going to go wasted because of the very thing we just talked about. God is always at work, working out our salvation. Yes, And it may not be our plan A. You know, it could be our plan C, that's God's plan A. You know, uh, and so we did, and we invited the kids that were still awake to, to pray with us and ended up being a very blessed moment. Um, and even, so even then, like there, there is that flip side, you know, it just depending where prisons come from, we can forget of the grace and just ask God, no, heal it. And this is, I, I gave a a, right before the last break, Joe, of course, we're coming up on our next break soon. I mentioned there's lots of ministries, there's different ministries that are coming out with an emphasis on healing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Ralph Martin speaks of a ministry called encounter ministries. I'm familiar with it somewhat. It's growing yeah, throughout the yeah. U S. Um, yeah. but there's all kinds of healing ministries, uh, or different manifestations where the power, the power of God is being seen, um, and lots of glory to God being given in it. But with some of those, it's been physical healings. Um, and I think that's a part, you know, people ask me, okay, those things happened in biblical times, but they're not happening now. You know, nay, nay, as they say, right? No, yeah. it is It is happening now. Um, yeah, I think no, that needs it, to be acknowledged, Joe.
2: Yeah, it does. I, I, I'm i remembering, uh, I won't get into my own personal experience of it, but um, just something that, that, I, that I saw at a conference uh, on one occasion where... A man uh, had crutches and uh, he was in a a whole leg cast, and the priest had uh, laid his hands on his knee and he pulled, he grabbed his crutches, and the man kind of fell to the ground because he didn't know what to do. And the priest literally said, "Rise and and walk and go," and he did. It was my first encounter with with a physical healing and a reminder into what you just said, Mark, that uh, what happened two thousand years ago. In the name of Jesus and the power of God, is happening today everywhere.
1: Yeah. Um, Joe, we got to take a break. But when we come back, let's pick up on this, because I think there's a one or two things we could say or still say about healing before we dive into our saint of the day. So stay with us on Awaken.
0: You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break.
1: course for the faithful and also for those who are maybe maybe even those who are on the fence or who aren't even catholic it's a wonderful opportunity where you're just kind of browsing the radio and then all of a sudden hey what's this and i've heard a number of stories of uh, even non-catholics and somebody who's maybe been catholic but they kind of fell away from the faith and kind of they're they're kind of secretly listening to real presence radio as they drive to work or as they're a farmer and they're out in the fields and just kind of how they have been inspired by the truth of the gospel and our many uh, good speakers um, on the radio uh, sharing the truth of Christ and, uh, and His mercy. And, and of course, uh, for the faithful, um, probably the majority of who are listening to Catholic Radio, um, we're always built up um, through the gift of the gospel.
0: This is Connie Painter from Blessed Sacrament in West Fargo. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network.
1: Welcome back. We were just talking healing. You're listening to Dr. Joe Holcraft and Mark Holcraft. And we're picking up on the passage from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Jesus asked great questions, which has led us into a conversation about healing and how the Lord is at work today, as he was 2,000 years ago, and there's there's great miracles of healing happening, uh, healing in uh, natural and supernatural ways, you know, and all and really I think at the crux of the matter, Joe, um, and I love that phrase because crux meaning cross, uh, but the crux of the matter is in all things it is God working out our salvation, you know, uh-huh. and um, even in why the healing. Uh, besides just the the fact and the reality that Jesus is just that generous. Jesus doesn't necessarily need a why. He is generous. Um, But the the healing factor, I think in our time, um, I think there's a reason why we're seeing a growing, and maybe popularity isn't the right word, Joe, but just a growth in this ministry of healing uh, within the church. Uh, There's a great need. There's a great need for healing. There's lots of woundedness you know, emotional, spiritual, physical. Uh, And we talked briefly about some of the relationships of that house. Um, You know, sin cripples. So sometimes there is, we take ourselves into a deeper hole of a different kind of woundedness. You know, we certainly see that, which is the very nature of of sin, sin cripples, but we see it, gosh, um, profoundly for those who struggle with pornography or struggle with um, uh, anger you know, uh, mm-hmm. we see it takes them down a very bad road that not only, um, gosh, in some cases leads to s- such disparity of, of physical crippling, but more emotionally, you know, just inability to talk and communicate. So there's all kinds of um, wounds and hurtedness. Hurtedness? That's a great word.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> but, uh, but the beauty of God at work through healing. And again... Joe, we come full circle to that relationship of what is Jesus often referenced preceding uh, his healing is the gift of faith, right? Yes. So we can almost come full yes. circle. Um, you know, you talked about in a brief experience that you saw, that, which sounds profound, Joe, when you were at a conference and a man went a full uh-huh. leg cast and was just healed there in the moment. Um, you know, as a spectator, what's going through your mind when you see that?
2: Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, Mark, it's the, it, it's the question, okay, the Lord, why don't you do that for everyone? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it, why, but see that, that then opens up the, the very important conversation about God's sovereignty that I, I touched upon earlier and the importance of, you know, uh, why God chooses who he chooses to heal that in the end, it is all order to his infinite mystery in the ways in which he, he moves in the spirit almost, you know, in a, in a clandestine way. You know, it's it's unknown. It's unseen. Uh, but in saying that, Mark, <laughs> because that was something I, I thought at the time, it did lead me to think about, well, you know, God exists. So it's not so much why he does this or does that in as much as just me trying to understand. Now, in that moment also. Uh, it, it was emotional, you know. When you see God work in, in powerful ways, it, it is an emotional thing, right? You're like, I just found myself in tears for no other reason than seeing this man get up and, and walk. I mean, it was just, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Well, there's a sense of awe.
1: there's a sense of awe. Yeah, right I mean,
2: there. you're just yeah. you're, you you really are. You're overwhelmed, and and with it is just gratitude. So while on one hand there was a sense of, Lord, why this or that, it really did move to just gratitude. And isn't that what intercessory prayer is all about as well, as, as, we, as we're touching upon this topic, is, is to say thank you. Thank you, Mark. It, it, it has a sense of completing something, right? To say thank you brings completion to a work that was done. Uh, this is why the Eucharist is the eternal mm. thanksgiving, it, because it is the eternal way the Church says thank you, uh, and the way in which we then, as faithful Christians and Catholics, share in that uh, eternal thank you. Uh, we can never stop going to Mass because we can never stop saying thank you. Yes, it's about being in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, of course, and and divine intimacy and and drawing into this profound union with God, but it is also <laughs> saying thank you, thank you for the work that has been done, and in union with that work, we offer ourselves as 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 um, expiation and reparation for the, the sins of the world. So all of that is to say, when we say thank you, um, it, it is a way in which. We are, in our anthropology, I think, Mark, um, compelled to complete what God has done. Uh, this is why, even in our own relationships, I, I would say, Mark, and I'm sure you've experienced this as just not a husband and father, but in all your your relationships, um, when someone says thank you for something you've done, or in turn, if you have yet to say thank you, there is this movement, or just, again, I use the word compelling, just this, this some, something from outside of us that, that says thank you. And when we hear thank you, it's like, oh yes, of course, but there you (laughs) go, you're welcome.
1: Yeah, nice. Uh,
2: So, so in the end, you know, Mark, my experience was one of emotion, uh, questioning that ultimately moved into a a gratitude.
1: Well, and and this is um, the phrase that comes to mind is when the super, when the supernatural becomes natural and the extraordinary becomes ordinary. You know, and I, uh, why do I say that? Uh, the nature of healing, uh, there have been some just holy figures in the, the history of the church that really stand out, you know, and so we come to our saint of the day, you know, and mm. uh, Joe, I, I, I'm really, I was pretty moved actually as, as we were preparing for this morning's program, um, just the witness of St. Andre Bassett. Um, And so he he would be in our saint of the day, ooh, the great reveal, (laughs) 100%, you know. But I think of that, um, here's a holy man that I think provides a profound witness for our day because um, he was literally meek, you know. It's kind of a a great icon, uh, a very Marian icon of this, you know, great work of God's authority that was meek and humble, you know. so. Andre Bissette, for those of our listeners, even it's always good for me to go back and to dig in a little bit to our saints, whether I'm learning anew or just being reminded. Because um, I, I have a love of Andre Bissette just because of his great work of what uh, at St. Joseph's Oratory, a, a place up in Montreal, Quebec in Canada, uh, just an incredible place uh, of pilgrimage and um, a location of thousands of healings. Um, Through the intercession, well, uh, through, you know, St. Andre Bisset, but he says, that's just the work of St. Joseph, uh, hence its name, St. Joseph's Oratory. Uh, But uh, yeah, for our listeners who don't know much about him, Andre Bisset was born in 1845 uh, in Quebec, um, was orphaned at the age of 12. Um, And so you start to think, oh, oh, here we go, going down the wrong road. It's like, actually, that wasn't his story. He was always uh, a child of faith, of Catholic faith grew Catholic, had a great relationship with this pastor. Uh, but when, his, uh, when he was orphaned and his parents died, he moved away looking for a job. You know, uh, I think, of the, you know, uh, there's a visual that comes to mind, and this happens to me all the time when I'm reading, either in Scripture or the saints. Sometimes maybe a, a pop culture image comes up. The image that came up to me is, you know, uh, The Greatest Showman, for those who may have seen that movie. We have an image early on of a boy who's orphaned. Um, And it's the context, the timing is near the same time. Anyhow, And so he's 12, he leaves, um, but he remains Catholic. His his name, his baptized name is Alfred. Um, He tries to find a job, but doesn't work out. He goes back home to Quebec, uh, has a great relationship with his pastor. His pastor tells him, hey, I think you should join the religious life. Um, And so he... Uh, agreed i mean he was in love with the lord he said okay so he went and he approached the holy cross order they did not accept him because his poor health um so he had been baptized right after birth because they thought he might die after birth because he was very sickly and he kind of was sickly all his life and so he was very small in stature joe you know uh Mm -hmm. five one five two um Years ago, I had been up to the oratory. I saw the the cell. That's what they refer to it. It sounds like a jail cell, but it's not. (laughs) It's just a very small place where he lived. Um, Very simple man. He was small in stature, and he was said to have not been very smart. So he struggled with his studies. But from the very get-go, from the very get-go, he was known for his gentleness, his humility, uh, his very amiable disposition by all. So he was really well-liked by many. In fact, uh, when his pastor recommended him to the Archbishop of Montreal for the order to join Holy Cross Brothers, uh, he just left a note with them. He said, you are welcoming a saint. Um, and so his pastor mm. recognized something very unique in Alfred. And then when he joined uh, the Brothers of the Holy Cross, he uh, took on the name Andre, and that's why we know him as uh, Saint Andre Bissette now. Um, but Early 1900s, um, he was noted, because he wasn't that smart, they gave him the task of being the doorman. Why is it always a doorman? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. these poor guys, uh, and yet, and yet these, are the, these are men of holiness. Um, people started approaching and coming to uh, the house he lived. Um, it was, I think it was actually called Notre Dame College, where he lived, which was across the street from present day uh, Oratory of St. Joseph. Uh, he, the people started coming to the, uh, the house to see him um, because he started, he would just listen, but then he would pray and these people would be healed, physically healed. And so, Joe, a similar emotion came over me when you talked about seeing that man at the conference. When I was in the oratory years ago, mm-hmm. um, there's a particular chapel. It's called the, the Votive Chapel. And in it, there's thousands of candles lining the wall, but surrounding in between all these candles there are hundreds of crutches and, and uh, mm. all these different instruments used that were left there after people left because they were healed. Hundreds. Mm. And they say, uh, by the end of St. Andre's life, uh, he lived to the ripe old age, I think, of 91. Um, to, at the end of his life, uh, you know, he is credited to have healed thousands of men and women. But yet, uh, what was noted by his own contemporaries who lived with him and around him, uh, his brothers in the order, um, he never, his disposition never changed, his his littleness, his meekness. um, But of course, uh, what was astounding was his confidence in God. And so he didn't understand what all the hubbub was about around him. You know, lots of people um, were starting to see him. finally, the order just said, you know what, we relieve you of your services as a doorman." Um, why don't you begin this work on the oratory? And so he did. So he was instrumental in building this, uh, the oratory of St. Joseph, which is a massive place now. Um, it just people would go, he would spend all day uh, healing um, and just uh, it, whatever, whatever else encompassed that. But he didn't understand all the hubbub about it. He just said, I'm not doing any of this. And he just said, this is all St. Joseph. And ever since as a, yeah. as a child, he, uh, well, one of the things he maintained was this very close relationship to Saint Joseph, incredible mm-hmm. figure, Joe.
2: Amen. And didn't he uh, uh, part of this, <laughs> one of the pieces of the story that his story that I love is that uh, in order to raise money uh, to build um, the initial building, uh, he uh, he cut hair for for five cents.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. which
2: yes. and I well, I think what is it he raised two hundred dollars? I mean, I, I just love that. You know, Mark, you, um, you use the word meekness quite a bit. And that jumped out at me because, it, you know, St. Andre Bessette, Brother Andre, had a lot of reasons to be angry, frustrated, disappointed. <laughs> but, but far from being weakness, meekness is strength. It is the ability to take what causes anger, what causes frustration, what causes disappointment and suffering, And subject it to reason right so the virtue of meekness turns any assault of misfortune into really an opportunity to grow in in virtue and holiness so we can then say and and absolutely brother Andre was the embodiment of this that meekness emerges as the stronghold against evil entering the soul and and destroying one's peace with God Mm. You tell the story of Brother Andre, and I really do. I, I hear the story of meekness. I, I I, I can begin to appreciate what the virtue of meekness is all about. You know, there's only two people that are meek in sacred scripture, right? Was it Numbers chapter 12, where Moses is described as meek more than any man on the face of the earth? And, of course, our Lord in the New Testament. Uh, so... A word that is not used lightly, but I think appropriately. Indeed, Brother Andre was a man of of great meekness. And I I highlight that, Mark, and... Um, i think we talk about it because anger frustration disappointment suffering it does get the best of us so i'm sure it got the best of the paralytic
1: yeah right? yeah well it the question uh, why do you harbor these evil thoughts you know yeah yeah
2: yeah so we call upon the virtue of meekness we talk about transformation being saved all these things um the virtue of meekness it's a great beatitude right blessed are the meek
1: Joe, so, and i, I just want to give you know we' were wrapping up our show uh we have a unique Uh, setting, you know, so we meet again on Awaken in three weeks, and it happens to be Wednesday of Holy Week and so Mm. we come to the question, it's a great question, Jesus uh, poses the question, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? It's regarding fasting so fasting, Mm. Lent, Holy Week, lots going on stay with us on Awaken, join us on Awaken in a few weeks, and have a holy and blessed Lent
0: This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network awaken comes to you every second and fourth wednesday of the month at 7 a.m central with mark and dr joe Hullcraft. want to listen to the show again you can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com awaken or on the real presence radio app in the podcast section again that's realpresenceradio.com awaken or in the free real presence radio app Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.